seat just for a moment. Thank you guys for leading us to the cross. I love that. Um, our hope and our desire and our prayer um, is never to be a, uh, a show or to entertain you. And so we always, we always say, like, if we screw up, that's okay. We're going to do the best that we can, but we're not here to entertain. But what we want is that as we look to Jesus, we want you to look to Jesus. I mean, that's what we want. That's what it's all about. We want to be all about making the name of Jesus great, right? And so that's what we're going to talk all about today. So you're going to either love me or hate me after this, but I need everybody to stand up, all right? This is what I need you to do. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to work with me here on this one. See this, this corner up here? I want every seat, okay, you're going to have to move just for a moment. You'll be able to go back, all right? So mark your seat, all right? I want every seat from this front corner so this front corner on back and over, <clears throat> filled, okay? Shoulder to shoulder, everybody move all the way this way, okay? So all, our empty seat should be on this side. I want everybody to move. First, fill this front seat here, and then work your way back so that side should be filled, and then we move to this uh, left center here, and we're just going to let you all move in awkward silence for just a moment. Almost there. We're almost there. We're going to wait just to, for the impact to set in. Every chair, okay? Everybody look over there. You see that? I should be able to drop mic right now and walk away because we're talking about evangelism today. I want you to look at those chairs. Here's the deal. This entire room is filled with our mission, right? This whole room is filled with our mission, because our mission is leading people everywhere to a devoted relationship with Jesus Christ. It doesn't just include the people outside this church. It includes every single one of you, right? But if we're really doing our job to lead all of you to a meaningful relationship with Jesus Christ, the last time I did this exercise was like two years ago, and this room looked the same. I'm serious. It looked the same, I, pretty much, right? So that should be it. That should be our motivation right there because every single one of those seats is our mission as soon as we leave this room. As soon as we walk out of these doors, that's our mission. You understand what I'm saying? That's it. That's where evangelism comes in, okay? All of you is where discipleship comes in, but discipleship starts with evangelism, right? That is our mission. Every single empty seat right there, is someone in your life. It's somebody in my life. But let me ask you all this question. You look at those empty seats, and it represents a person that could possibly fill. These seats don't represent a, a nice seat. They don't represent a nice building, right? We have been continually grateful to God for giving us this building, right? For giving us a place that we can worship freely, correct? Right? A nice-looking seat and a nice-looking building does not mean anything. It doesn't mean anything in the big scheme of what God is doing. I mean, Mike Nicemore came to me this morning. He said, I'll help. Let's move some chairs outside, right? Because we're going to have church outside. It's beautiful outside today. It may be cloudy, but it feels awesome, right? It's because Jesus didn't have no buildings. Jesus even said, you want to follow me? Well, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. You still want to follow me? I don't have a place to live. I don't, I don't know where I'm staying tonight. You still want to follow me, right? So that just proves that the Christian life is not about a nice seat. 
when we all sit, honestly, when we come in here and you sit, right, and we're all spread out and you look across the top of people's heads, we look fairly full until we do this. And we're only half full. We're not even half full because you didn't follow directions. The front here is not filled. <laughs> this is maybe I wasn't clear on my directions. <laughs> all right? You get what I'm saying. How many of you, okay, have invited one of those people to church in the last month? Uh, let's go further. In the last year. You don't have to raise your hands. But how many of you have invited one of those people to church in the last month? But let's go more personal, more important. How many of you have invited one of these people to your home in the last year? Let's go a little further. How many, people, how many of you have had a conversation with one of these people? That's a painful one, right? Because we can so easily go throughout our day and never even know that those people exist in our lives, right? But that's not why we're here, right? We're here to pursue Jesus with everything that we are. We're, we're here to be disciples of Jesus, right? And that does not mean all we do is come to church. It means one of the things we do is come to church. But the majority of my life... I don't know about you. <laughs> I spend more time here than all of you except Kim and Vance. Because he mows the lawn. <laughs> this is like Vance's second job. You don't know that. But anyway. Um, this is only a few hours in our week. Right? All of them, that's the rest of our week. Right there. You get what I'm saying? So right now, we as a whole group, as a unified church are going to pray for all those people. That's how we got to start this morning. So as I pray, I don't want you just to listen to what I say. I want prayer to become the very fabric of how you live when you leave this building, right? Because we're not going to reach a single one of those people unless we cover it with prayer. And we're going to talk more about that today. But we need to pray so that God gives power to the lives that we are desiring to live. So let's pray together. God, we, uh, first of all, we're just desperate for you to continue to change us and make us more like Jesus. And honestly, when we look at this, God, when we look at that, that the reality of the situation is that we have a lot of work to do. God, but I don't want, I don't, I don't really want anybody in this room to feel guilty about the empty seats. I want them to feel inspired and empowered by your Holy Spirit because Jesus himself said, and we're counting on this promise, God, because Jesus himself said that unless he leaves this earth and goes up to be with you in heaven, that the helper, the Holy Spirit will not come. But you did go to heaven and you sent the Holy Spirit and, and, and we read in scripture, your disciples did some amazing things. Twelve people, twelve people changed the fabric of the known world at that time. They changed, the, the, they changed history for the name of Jesus, all because they were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, God, I just beg you, I beg you, I beg you, convict our hearts in the power of the Holy Spirit this morning, God, 
that evangelism is not something that should freak us out. It is something that should be a part of who we are because we are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, the very power that raised Jesus from the dead to go out and spiritually raise people from the dead. Everybody's got these people in their lives, Lord. Help us to be intentionally listening on a daily basis to the Holy Spirit's leading in our lives. We desperately want to be a part of what you are doing in each and every person in their everyday life, Lord. But I fear that we just do not take this seriously. We're just churchgoers. God, this room looked the same two years ago. God, be about your mission. Inspire us, push us, strengthen us with your spirit, Lord. We love you and we desperately need you. Unleash your spirit upon these people. In Jesus' name, amen. You can go back to your original seat if you can find it now. Thanks for doing that with us. As you're sitting down, I want to remind you one thing I was reminded of this morning, that as you, as you leave this room and you walk out there, um, College Companions sign-ups start today. What College Companions is, is that we have several students that have gone to this church whose parents may still go to this church or who, are, who are off at college. They need somebody to, to reach out to them on a regular basis. They need somebody to talk to them. They need somebody to pray for them um, because uh, them being the church does not stop when they leave for college, right? We, we got to know that. that. It's not just they go through our high school program and then, boop, see ya. You know, no, we want to care for them. So if you want to be a college companion to one of those students, you can sign up for that outside um, in the hub, and, uh, and that'll be good. So we're, today we're talking all about um, evangelism. We do not want evangelism to be something that freaks us out, because when I say, we say the word evangelism, like, I, I really um, started talking about occupying your street because the word evangelism freaks people out. Right? You think of evangelism as this way. I'm going to go talk to a stranger that I don't know and hand him a piece of paper that I have really no idea what it says on the thing. You know? Because here's the deal. I remember a story. These guys aren't here this morning, but um, Justin Bracelin, y'all know Justin Bracelin, um, he is at a wedding of a dear friend of his this weekend, um, Nick Gardner, and it's Alex and Jackie's uh, son. But when Justin was in high school, um, he, he didn't start by going to the youth group here. It's when Kyle was the youth pastor, and Nick was a part of the youth group here. And so Nick calls up Justin and says, hey, Nick, we're going to go hang out at the mall tonight. You want to come as a youth group? Justin's like, yeah, sure, I'll go hang out at the mall. Right? So Justin gets there, and Nick hands him a stack of tracks and says, ah, I didn't tell you the whole truth. We're actually going to um, go tell people about Jesus tonight. And Justin was like, what? I don't even believe this stuff. Like, what am I doing? So Justin had to go and pass out tracts to people uh, at the mall, right, about Jesus, about salvation. And he, didn't, he wasn't even a believer at that time. But here's the deal. If you talk to Justin, that experience was a huge piece of his journey towards salvation because he looked at these crazy people, right, and was like, these people may be nuts, but they are serious about this message, Right? And so he didn't go away. He thought that was pretty awesome. Um, another story that Mike Johnson wrote in, he told me I could tell you it was by him. But th- just to, to, uh, to preface this, you know how like when you're out in your front yard, maybe, you know, you're out in your front yard, and at least this is how it is for me. I'm not, I don't want to blanket you into this too, but I know it's probably true for most of you. Um, is you're out in your front yard and you look up and down the street or whatever and you see somebody that looks like a Mormon or Jehovah's Witness. Right? That moment is like, 
Oh, man. Kids, get all of the toys right now in the garage. Like, we're going inside. Like, there's somebody coming to our door, and we're going to have to talk to them. So get all the, the, get everything. Honey, pull in the cars. We're closing the garage, and we're going in the basement so that we have plausible deniability so that we can't even hear if somebody knocks on the door. Because if we hear them, then we're going to start feeling guilty, then we're not going to talk to them. No, we're just going to go in the basement and not hear a thing. Then I don't have to feel guilty about going and talk to these people. That's what we do when we hear, when we see somebody coming to our house. It's like terror moment. Um, that I'm going to have. So with that in mind, I'm going to read this, this story that Mike sent to me. Uh, it was like two weeks ago. Uh, he said last Sunday, which was um, the Sunday, I think, before Bob spoke, I think. So Bob spoke a couple weeks ago, two, three Sundays ago. Last Sunday, after two Jehovah's Witnesses came to our door, and then he says this, I usually prefer to hide when this happens. See, he's like that too. Um, but Sunday, I decided to talk with them. I admit my initial motivation, uh, more than occupying my street with the gospel, was to occupy their time so they would have less time to bother my neighbors. At any rate, we began a friendly conversation. I'm very interested in Christian apologetics, but I often shy away from face-to-face encounters with unbelievers unless I think I have enough answers and I know enough about their beliefs to have an answer, as 1 Peter 3.15 tells us. But I'll never have all the answers, and when someone comes to the door with a message, they're usually willing to come back another time for a follow-up, which is an opportunity for you to find the answers for them, and these two will definitely be coming back. Something else I've learned over the years is that while I knew some about Jehovah's Witness theology, the best thing I could know was my own theology. Paul's encouragement in 1 Peter 3 is to have an answer for the hope that I have. If we... Uh, If we know what we believe and what the Bible says is true, we can always know untruth. We can usually know untruth when we hear it. So we had a talk, and I was able to introduce the gospel and to clarify who Jesus was, as he is very different. He is a very different person to a Jehovah's Witness. I plan to take uh, that further when they return, which I invited them to do. Then I promptly texted a warning to my neighbors as they left. But I was encouraged by Bob Short's message that morning, so it was like three weeks ago now, I think, or two weeks ago, which I thought presented the Bible as an approachable message that is written for us to learn and know. The more we know Scripture, the better we are equipped to make a loving, truthful defense and presentation of the gospel to anyone, regardless of what opposing worldview they hold. Also important is the humility to be okay with not having all the answers and the confidence that we have God's reliable word to go for them. Anybody remember the band uh, DC Talk? Raise your hand if you know the band DC Talk, right? So right now, uh, Michael Tate, who is the lead singer for Newsboys, was a part of DC Talk, and Toby Mack was a part of DC Talk, and uh, a guy named, uh, I forget the other guy's name. He must not have been that awesome. But <laughs> So anyway, DC Talk, right? My favorite song ever still to this point in my life I think is Jesus Freak by DC Talk right I mean Jesus Freak this was like the first like Christian rock song my mom would actually let me listen to and so I listened to it over and over and over again it was like the song I put on my headphones while I was mowing the lawn right it's just Jesus Freak and so when this song came out it was like what you know what would people do if they knew I was a Jesus Freak what would people do if they find that it was true oh oh 
Like all the, all the time in my head. I just constantly am singing this song, right? And so I promptly went to the, uh, the Christian bookstore and they had these pretty stylish Jesus Freak shirts, right? And it said Jesus Freak, the whole chest covered in Jesus Freak. So that night, it was a Wednesday night, I specifically the day that I got this shirt. I went to youth group rocking my Jesus Freak shirt and my bowl cut, and it was awesome. Like, it was sweet. Everybody was like, that is an awesome shirt. I love it. And guess what? I think the only time I ever wore that shirt to school was because I had no other options, because everything else was dirty. I do remember wearing it to one time to school. I have never been more afraid in my life. Seriously. I'm like, wait a minute. This is, this is only for the Christians. I cannot wear this shirt to school. I'm going to have to have a conversation with somebody. I mean, it was, it was incredible, but here's the deal. This is the point I want to make. Evangelism freaks us out. But that's because we think of evangelism as like this one-time gear-up-for event that we have to like prepare for, prepare for, prepare for, prepare for, prepare for, and then boom, we go out and we evangelize, and then we're like, whoa, I'm exhausted, but I'm done, right? I'm done. Here's the point. You're never, ever, ever done. We're never done. Evangelism is not a one-time event. It's a lifestyle. If you ever, um, if you ever go on a diet, I've gone on several diets. Um, I, I go on a diet every time my wife has a baby because I'm like, it's time to stop gaining weight. And so I need to go on a diet. I've been on several diets before, right? And I can tell you this. There is a lot of stuff out there in the fitness world that is uh, this, this like one time, like you take this magical pill and you're going to lose weight. Or this is, here's, here's the magic um, solution to you losing weight. Everybody wants fast track results, right? But in my experience, the only way, the only um, long-term diet solution is to change your lifestyle. You have to change the way you think about food. You have to change the way you think about exercise. You have to change the way that you think. And when you change the way that you think, you will change the way that you act. And it's the same thing with evangelism. It's the same thing with evangelism. We're doing a... Uh, a discipleship small group, and the whole idea of the group is to shift the way we think about how to disciple people in this world for Jesus. Because we don't want evangelism to be something that freaks us out, right? As soon as we, t we, as soon as we say we're going to talk about evangelism, people are like, oh, you know what? I, it's just really not my spiritual gift. Like, I just don't, I, I, I just don't like talking to, to people, any people, you know, it's just like, it's not my spiritual gift, so I'm going to let the people who are gifted at it do it, but that's not what Jesus calls us to. Jesus called every single one of his disciples to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and here's the cool thing about baptism. In scripture, it always went with believe and be baptized. People were baptized at the moment that they believed because the expectation was that they were willing at that moment to associate with the name of Jesus and then go live it out, right? And that's what Jesus wants us to be all about. Go and be intentional, intentional, intentional 
about seeking out those people in your life that need Jesus and lead them towards Jesus. One of the things that we do in our small group um, is called a crossing the bridge exercise, right? And so we'll have, we'll pick two people and we always tell our group like, hey, if you, if you do this, you don't have to do it again, right? So last week, last week, I think Deb and, uh, who was the other one? Who, who did it with you, Deb? Nan, Nan, where is she? Nan's not here, Nan, Nan. oh, not Deb. You, sorry, Deb's from my last small group. I just, maybe, maybe your experience in our small group is locked into my brain. No, sorry. It was Nan and Megan. So they, they, got, they volunteered right away because they know if I do this, I don't ever have to do it again, right? And so, because what we do is we tell them, you got to stand up in the middle of our living room and we're going to give you a scenario, right? So we'll give them a scenario, and one person will be the believer, one person will be the unbeliever, and we'll say, uh, here's your scenario, talk, right? And so they have to, they have to make up this conversation, and the, the goal is to cross the bridge. Now, here's the bridge. You have a couple options in crossing the bridge. You either get the conversation to somewhere that you're talking about God in some way, right? You've crossed that bridge. Or you get the conversation to a point where you can somehow ensure that you're going to further your relationship, right? Because you don't want your relationship to end right there. So you get to the point where you're, you're going to ensure, I'm going to see this person again. I'm going to continue a relationship with this person. Some of the conversations we have in, in, in small group are not like totally realistic, but... It gets people to think on their toes, to say, this can be a part of who I am all the time. So what I did as everybody was walking in, as I wrote down a couple names on a um, piece of paper, and I put them on my, in my pocket, so I'm going to pull out a couple names. It could be any one of you, and we're going to do, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm not going to do it. You should see your faces. You're terrified. I love it. <laughs> we're not going to do that. But the idea is that we need to shift the way we think about evangelism. It's not a one-time event. It's an all-the-time thing. It's a lifestyle. We get to live our life and get used to letting the Jesus part of us come out, right? I'm no longer going to live my life and pick and choose who the Jesus part of me comes out to. It may sound a little different how I talk to a believer and how I talk to an unbeliever, but you can be sure that the Jesus part of me is no longer going to be hidden, right? I'm at a point in my life where the Jesus part of me has been hidden before. I'm not going to do that anymore because life is too short, okay? Heather was telling me this morning about a conversation she had with our daughter Margo, and um, she's talking to her, and when Mar Margo said, Something like, um, if you love Jesus, you're going to die, <laughs> right? We're like, oh, and Heather's like, okay. <laughs> Everybody dies, Margo. And she says, no, if you love Jesus, you're going to die more, right? <laughs> and so I'm like, uh, on the edge of my seat, I'm like, Heather, what did you do with that? I mean, like, what does that mean? And so Heather says, well, um, no, it's, Margo, it's, if we die, if you love Jesus and you follow Jesus, when you die, you will go to heaven, right? And Margo asks, well, what about people who don't love Jesus, right? And so Heather said, well, those people are going to go to hell. And she says, well, what's that like again, you know? And so Heather says, you, have you ever touched fire? And she says, no. And Heather says, why? Because it would hurt, Right? And so she, said, she goes on to describe, the Bible describes hell as a place of 
of tor- the torment of fire forever. And here was Margot's response. This is the best part of the whole thing. Here was Margot's response. She wasn't thinking about herself. She goes like this. Oh, I am so glad that Avery loves Jesus, right? Because Avery's her, her great friend down the road, right? So Margot's mind was on other people. And here's the deal. That's the reality of our situation that's the reality. Every seat that was empty over here could possibly represent somebody in your life that when they die, they're going to go to hell, right? Does that break your heart? Does that break your heart? Because if it doesn't break your heart, if it doesn't really scare you to death for that person, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Jesus is the answer for that. Jesus is the answer for that. 1 Peter 3.15 says this. In your hearts, honor Christ as Lord. Uh, Honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. But do this in gentleness and respect. See, we're not going around beating people over the head with our Bibles, right? But what we are doing is in the midst of real life. In the midst of real life, we are showing people who Jesus is. So last week we talked um, about prayer, and prayer aligns our hearts with God's, not God's heart with ours. So prayer is something that teaches us to be more like Jesus through the way that God answers those prayers. It's the same thing with evangelism, because most of us, most of us, if you ask most Believers in Jesus, like, do you think evangelism is important? Most people will say yes, because they think that that's the right answer, right? But most, I think that most Christians think of evangelism this way. Yes, God, I want you to use me, but not out of my comfort zone, right? I want you to use me, but only, uh, only with what I've experienced before. I want you to use me, but only what I'm good at, right? I, I want you to use me, but I'm not good at that, so I can't do that. I want you to use me, but not, right? It's always, I want you to use me, but... Right? Well, here's the deal. If, if God gave the Holy Spirit to 12 fishermen and they changed the course of history with the name of Jesus, I'm pretty sure you don't have to know much or be good at a whole lot to go evangelize, to go share the love of Jesus with people. Because I'm pretty sure that the Holy Spirit is bigger than that. I'm pretty sure he's more powerful than that. So the only thing stopping us from filling those seats, and I'm not saying that people have to come to church. I'm just saying those empty seats represent someone in your life. I don't care if those people never come to church. Although being a believer, it's healthy to be in church. I want people in heaven, right? So if their church for a while becomes your house, so be it. But we don't believe that the Holy Spirit is powerful because we're terrified. We're terrified of this thought of evangelism. So here's my question. Why not? What is holding you back? I'm not saying this to guilt you. All it is, is not a one-time event. If you notice, we don't do a whole lot of one-time events here at Creekside because that's not what we want to be about. 
We want to be about every single person that walks in these doors on a Sunday morning, feels the love of Jesus while they're here, and is inspired to go out with what they have learned and live it outside these walls. Because if that doesn't happen, then what's the point? Why do we do this? Right? You get what I'm saying? If you need to feel guilty this morning... I'm going to pray that you feel guilty this morning. But that's not my desire. I want you to go away and be inspired by the fact that you, as an individual, are empowered with the power of God to lead anybody, anybody, with the love of Jesus. You can tell anybody that Jesus is great. You can tell anybody that Jesus is great. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4 says this. First of all, I urge you, this is Paul, Paul speaking. He says, first of all, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high places, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Who, this is God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. That is what God is doing in the world. Here's the deal. Not all people, not all people are going to be saved because God gave us free will because we're not robots forced to love him. He wants us to love him because this is a relationship. He is a relational God. Not all people are going to be saved but the salvation of people that we come across on our street is exactly what God wants to use you for. It's exactly what God wants to use you for. So if you're writing anything down this morning, here's your definition for evangelism. I know it took me a long time to get here, but you need to be convinced of this. Here's the definition of evangelism. Remember, it's not a one-time event. It's a lifestyle change. So here it is. The definition of evangelism is this. A desire to be a part of, of what God is doing in the world. A desire to be a part of what God is doing in the world because I guarantee if that becomes your desire, you'll be open to anything. I'm serious. Heather and I pray this every day. God, we will walk through whatever door you open. And sometimes the doors that, that he opens are, is a conversation that we otherwise would not wanted to have. Maybe that is pursuing somebody that we might not want to pursue. Maybe that is being a part of, of intentionally putting ourselves in a situation to be around unsaved people. And we're, we're not, like, I'm not, we're not pros at this, but the one thing that I know about my own heart is screwed up as I am, right, is that my plans are not awesome. I think they are, but they're not even close to what God's plans are. And so my deepest heart's desire is to ask God every day, what are you doing today? Because that's what I want to be a part of. It's, I, God, 
I don't just need you to do this for me, to do this for me, to do this for me, to be my puppet. No. What are you doing today? I want to be a part of that. We know from last week's message that whatever we ask according to God's will, he will do in his timing. So I, this, I truly believe that if we ask God on a daily basis, God, in this specific situation in my life, here's what I have planned today, God. Here's what I'm doing today. You have got to reveal to me what you're doing in that situation. Because if I do what I plan to do in that situation, I'm probably going to screw it up. So God, here's my situation for today. Here is my day. Please reveal to me what are you doing in that situation. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to be a part of. And I guarantee you that if you pray that every day, and then you are willing to actually do what the Holy Spirit of God tells you to do in that situation, you will start to change people's lives for the kingdom of God. And if you're not willing to do that, you won't. He gave us the Holy Spirit for a reason. That is living a life of evangelism. It's every single day, all the time. So we don't have to be freaked out about it. We are empowered to do it. So that's the first thing I want you to see, that if we adopt that attitude, I want to have a desire to be a part of what God is doing in the world. That's where evangelism starts. We're not inviting God to be a part of what we're doing. We're begging God to make us a part of what he is doing. That's the most abundant life that we can live. Here's the second thing. John 6 says things like this. Jesus says things that kind of freak people out, right? He says something like this in John 6. He says, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, then you have no life in you. Jesus, you're nuts, man. This is like, this is like, is this cannibalism? Vampirism? Like, what is this? You want me to eat your flesh? That's not what Jesus is saying. What he is saying is unless one identifies him or herself in every way with the essence of who I am, right? In the very essence of life, unless I become a person's sustenance in every way, that I become life for a person, they cannot be saved. John 6, 63 says this, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no help at all. And that's kind of comforting to me. Because I know my flesh. I know when I look back at the times in my life when I have royally screwed up, it's because of my flesh. I was not listening and following and leading the Spirit of God. Right? I know my flesh is not good. I know my flesh leads me away from things of God. Right? And this says it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no help at all. You cannot do anything to save yourself or anyone else. The Spirit of God saves people. The Spirit of God convicts people to turn to Jesus. So as we go, as we occupy our streets, as we go live a lifestyle of evangelism, the question becomes, who am I depending on to do it, right? Because I guarantee you, if you are depending on yourself and it's a one-time event thought process, you'll be terrified every time. But... If you start to see evangelism as a lifestyle, and you want to be a part of what God is doing, and you are wholeheartedly depending on the Spirit of God to do what only the Spirit of God can do, fear has no place 
when the Spirit of God is in control, right? So you can be afraid or you cannot be afraid and do what God asks us to do. I believe that God does miracles. I don't believe that God heals every single time. I believe that he heals. I don't believe God gives us everything we ask for when we ask for it, but I do believe that God hears us every time and he gives us according to his perfect plan and will in order to shape us. We talked about that last week. But when we think of miracles, when I think of like a miracle being done, I think of healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons. Those are the things that when we read through the Gospels, those are the things that we see Jesus doing, right? Right? But here's the deal. Here's a, here's a question. Um, Francis Chan put it this way. I love this, okay? If you, um, if you were asked by somebody, if you were challenged by somebody, whoever that person would be, if you were challenged by somebody, I want you, as a believer in Jesus, to go to a cemetery and one person. That's it. Raise one person from the dead. That's all I want you to do. Not that hard, right? Just go raise one person from the dead. That's it. That's all I want you to do. Here's the question for you. Who would you bring with you? Serious, who would you bring with you? Think about that. Like, all you have to do is raise one person from the dead. That's it. Pick anybody. Who would you bring with you? I mean, are you going to bring a good communicator? You're going to bring somebody who's good with their words, right? Are you going to bring a, a, a super smart person that knows biology? I don't know. Are you going to bring a strong person? Are you going to bring a popular person? The list goes on and on and on. Who are you going to bring? If that's true, that the flesh is of no help at all, here's who I would take. I would think of who is the most powerful prayer warrior I know. I'm taking them. Because when you get there, there is nothing in you that can do the task in front of you. There's nothing in your flesh that can do what you're, you set out to do. You can't raise anybody from the dead, right? In your flesh, it won't happen. Right? When you get there, your only option is to get on your knees and absolutely beg God to raise this person from the dead. Right? That's your only option. It is not going to happen any other way. God, we need you. We are begging you. We are begging you. We are begging you. Right? God might raise him from the dead. He might not. I don't know. Because we don't know God's heart. We don't know God's mind we don't know his plans but i can tell you this you can't do that on your own but it's the same thing with evangelism everybody who is not in jesus everybody who is not on their way to heaven everybody who is not a believer and a follower of jesus yet guess what they're dead they're dead they are spiritually dead and so our job our commission, the job that Jesus gave us to go and make disciples, right? It starts with evangelism. It starts with an everyday living out the life that Jesus would have us live in loving people in the name of Jesus, making the name of Jesus great, right? But what are we actually doing? We are raising the dead to life. You're raising the dead to spiritual life. For someone to be saved, it, a miracle has to happen. An absolute 
miracle has to happen. So as we seek to occupy our streets to be evangelists, what should we be doing? What should we be doing? Pray, pray, pray. And then when you have no idea what to do, pray again, pray again, pray again, pray again. Because I think how it happens for me is that I go out, and I really have this desire to be a part of what God is doing in the world. And I'm thinking about the people who are not saved in my life. And I'm thinking about the conversations that I'm having with them throughout the day. And I'm thinking about, I come home at the end of the day, and here's what I think about. Here's an opportunity I missed. Here's an opportunity I missed. Here's an opportunity I missed. Should have said that. Should have did this. Should have, would have, could have. All that, right? But here's what I should be doing. At the beginning of every single day, I say, I say, God, I desperately want to be a part of what you are doing in this world. No one is going to come to you without the power of your Holy Spirit drawing them in, drawing them in, drawing them in. God, I am thankful that you want to use me, but I can't do it on my own. I need your Holy Spirit to go in front of me. If I am obedient to you today, God, may your Holy Spirit save these people. Save these people. Save these people. And then pray for every single one of them on a first name basis. And don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Because they might not get saved tomorrow. They might get saved in 10 years. But do not give up. Because it has nothing to do with you. Except for when you're obedient. That's the abundant life that Jesus wants to give to you. Right? That's what people ask all the time. Why do we evangelize then if it has nothing to do with me? Because you don't know. You don't know who's going to get saved because of your witness to them. You have no idea. God knows and he wants to use you. And when he uses you, when you allow him to use you and you're open to what he is doing in the world, that is the only time ever that you are living the abundant life that he has for you. If you're not being a part of what God wants to do in the world, that's not the most abundant life that he wants you to live, right? Being a part of what he is doing by seeing people saved and growing the kingdom of God, there's no more abundance than that in life. Being a part of what God is doing, right? That's what he wants for you, right? He could just, with his Holy Spirit, pursue this person, not that person. Here's the deal. He is using Christians everywhere to pursue everybody. The Bible is clear the end is not going to until the gospel of Jesus is preached to everybody on the planet, right? Not everybody is going to respond to that, okay? But you get to be a part of it. You get to be a part of it. That is amazing. So what does this look like practically in our life? We need to put a big bow on this. John 15, 4 says this, Abide in me and I in you, and the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you, unless you abide in me. See, it's never, it's never going to happen unless you seek God, seek God, seek God. I can tell you this, right? If a pursuit of God in your life is at the top, is of number one importance, if you're seeking 
God and what he wants, he will use you to grow his kingdom. He will use you to grow his kingdom, right? And so this is, this is what I want you to do every day, starting now indefinitely, just because the mission is never going to change. I want you to pray two things. God, make me a part of what you are doing in the world today. And please do miracles in these people's lives. And I want you to name people. First name basis, God, please save this person, save this person, save this person, save this person. Because it is only the Spirit of God. It is only a miracle that will save anybody. Right? The band is going to come back up. And, uh, and we're going to worship together. We're going to take communion. As the band comes up, here's what I want you to think about. He desires for all people to come to him for salvation. He gives free will, right? I've heard, why, why doesn't God just save everybody, right? God gives free will because here's the deal. We're not robots. If I could make my wife love me, if I could make Heather love me, it wouldn't be very satisfying when she actually did, right? If I could make my kids love me, it wouldn't be very satisfying when they actually did, right? God is a relational God. God is a relational God. Our sin drives us away from him. This is the reality of everyone who, who is far from God. Our sin drives us away from oneness with God. And God's love, God's love gave us even a chance to respond to salvation in his son, Jesus. And then we come back into rightness with God. We have an opportunity now to, to remember that Jesus did that for us. And here's the deal. Okay? When you take communion today, when you take the bread, Jesus' body broken for you, and the cup, a symbol of his blood poured out for you, like, when you take that, don't take that lightly. Right? Don't just come and take it because it's something we do at church. Taking that and remembering what it, what it has done for you should break your heart for everyone that you know that is not in Jesus, right? Ask God, beg God this morning as we sing these next few songs and as you take communion, beg him that this becomes the thing that drives you in every day life as you go to work as you're at home with your kids as you run into people wherever you go on your street that you want to make the name of Jesus great let's pray God we love you and we need you we're desperate for you um, God it's really not about how hard we work or the fact that we should do more should do more should do more God I pray that guilt um, is not the thing that drives us Father, but that a love for you and a thankfulness that we are heaven bound. God, I pray that, that you and your spirit would break our hearts for the people in our lives who need you, who need salvation. God, I pray that we would be intentional about living the life that Jesus wants us to live, living out love and seeing people come into your kingdom forever. Jesus, thank you for being obedient to your Father in heaven. Thank you um, that we can remember you now, and we don't take this lightly. God, we, we know 
Uh, Jesus, we know that you didn't, you didn't necessarily want to go to the cross, but at the same time, the joy of our salvation held you there. So we're thankful for that, God. May we be inspired to go out and share that love with everybody on our street. In Jesus' name. pray again your spirit God as we prepare to sing this last song it's all about the fact that when your blood on the cross ran down it ran red and that was love God your blood on the cross redefined love across history God that that, uh, your love served us that your love gave us salvation your love gave us life God, and so I just beg that on every person in this room, that your Holy Spirit would lead us, God, that we would be led and that we would obey that leading, God, to to evangelize this lost and dying world around us, that we would know that we are filled with the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and that fear would have no place in our lives, God, that when we are afraid, we would trace it back to whatever lie we're believing from the devil. And so, God, strengthen us, stiffen our spines. May we go out from here knowing we have a message of life for a lost and dying world. God, may we occupy our streets with the power and the love of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit that you have given us to not make excuses, but to go out into this world and to do what you asked us to do. You did not leave us alone, God. So move us. Move us, move us. Don't let us sleep, God, until the job is done. And at the same time, give us rest in the name of Jesus Christ. We love you and we need you. So let's sing this last song out with everything that we have, that the love that we share with the lost and dying world around us is a love that ran red on the cross. And that that's who we pursue, that's who we serve. We pursue and we serve a Jesus Christ that gave everything for you so that you could live. Do you understand that? A miracle has been done in your life. You have been raised from the dead. And so we go and we live by that same power to see other people raised from the dead. Let's sing this out.